be here. It's good to be here. I counted. Uh, there was 36 of us, but Harry's left and the preteens have left, so maybe 30, somewhere around there. But I just want us to look around and just realize that actually it's really special that we get to be here. It's a small group, um, but that means it's more intimate, and I feel more connected to everyone. I feel like hopefully you guys feel more connected to each other, and you know, I think uh, you know, ultimately that doesn't really matter. God's here, and he fills the space, and I just think that's great, and I hope we can, just in ourselves, we can commit that to him, commit today our own thoughts to him. Um, I wanted to just say a few words about where I've been recently, life's been a bit chaotic for me. Yeah, um, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's been good. I feel like life's been mostly chaotic over the last 24 years of me. <laughs> I think especially... Just this phase of becoming an adult and having to make serious decisions. And, um, you know, life in some ways maybe starting to go wrong and then having to fight that and just all of this stuff. But it's been the most valuable time in my life too. And I've learned the most. And I feel like I've also gotten to see what I really value. And I've gotten to grow and just being deeper in the way that I think about things and life experiences. And... Anyway, you know, the last year, a lot has happened. Um, I've made, I feel like I've made big mistakes. And then with that, I've had to really counter just understanding God's grace too, where I stand in my relationship with Him and how, what's His character. I have had to learn more about what His character is and what that looks like and the way He views me. And then you start to really, you know, get into deep stuff about, uh, how you grew up and how that influenced the way you view God and how yeah. and just it, it's thing after thing and um, then you make more mistakes and then there's something new for you to deal with but there are a lot of victories in all of that too um, but yeah I, I would say I've learned a lot and it's been a great year and I'm moving to Sweden in 10 days by the way I don't know I feel like I should make that public that's not really happened but I'm excited about that and just new friendships and spiritually just new adventures. I'm going to be part of a mission team out there as well as working. So I'm excited and I'm exhausted. And all of this, I've just written down so many things over the last year on my phone about, you know, things I could preach about one day and just different lessons that I'm like, wow, this is inspiring. I want to write this down. And I had no idea what to say today. And it was, it was just, I just, you know, I wrote down a lot of random thoughts <laughs> literally this morning because you know I just I woke up and I was like okay I've got to do the sermon and it just sort of came <laughs> but it's great uh, anyway I was just on holiday with my family and that was good uh, we spent um, a week together uh, that was really good and yesterday me and my sister we flew back and we were standing in I don't even know where we were but it was this beautiful place tourist attraction in Barcelona and um there was just this thing that happened in front of me that, wow, it really touched me. And I, I think it got me thinking about this, about what I want to preach about today. Um, there was this little girl, and I, I didn't see what happened before any of this, but all I saw was the mom come to the little girl and grab her by her ponytail and just yank her by her hair. And it was really emotional to see this because I felt, I don't know, I felt, I, I felt just in touch with the situation and I felt like, Whatever this little girl, she was maybe three or four. She obviously didn't know what she had done. Whatever it would have been, 
wouldn't have been intentional. And the mum, maybe, you know, I was trying to think about all the different scenarios that could have played out. Maybe the girl was lost and the mum found her. And out of sort of that fear and the panic that you feel as a parent, she sort of reacted with this aggression. Um, you know, and then I saw, so I saw that and the grandmother and the grandfather were there too. And, and they sort of came up and, and held the girl by her shoulders. Just, I think, you, I felt like there was just, the grandmother wanted to just comfort the girl and just be there for her. And I think she was sort of shocked at, at what she was seeing. And, you know, and then the dad came and he was like, he told the grandparents to pose for a photo. And so it was this weird, just situation of emotion, just be, being, it was just weird. And I just felt like there was, there was a lot there. And I don't know how they're going to go home to deal with the situation. But, you know, it was, it was just, it got me really thinking about my family and our culture. I think our culture, just generally, that family's culture. What, what does their culture look like in, within their family? It got me to really appreciate, I think, the way I grew up with my mum teaching me from a young age to value just being really open with my emotion and me and her being able to express to each other. And even now, we all live in the same house, sort of together with my grandparents. And, you know, her. My granddad will, will tell me if he feels like I'm not living in love. And he'll tell my mom, and, and my mom will tell him, and I'll tell him, and my brother will tell me. And, you know, we have this, I think, what I value in that is just that we have a really cool connection to communicate with one another about things that we know we desire and value in our own lives. And, you know, I wasn't, I think, Rich, if you want to come up and share that story you shared with me in there, because I feel like... It's a contrast in another way. I, yeah, I want you to just tell that story, but if you're okay with it. No, So, anyway, this, today what happened, I was in um, Antonar Deking, and we live basically live like in a holiday area. So our neighbours aren't always our permanent neighbours. Um, but there was a couple of kids next door, and I know them because they've been there before. One of the little girls is about a year older than Jenna, so she's six, and the little girl called Daisy. And she came up to me, and I've seen this, I saw this girl a month ago, you know, so bearing in mind she's six, she'd never met me before then. Um, she might have seen me around. She's got a little brother through her, a, another marriage who's two. When he stays there, he just shouts, Rich, Rich, she's like this. <laughs> anyway, so he was doing that, and then she came over with a bag of, like, goodies. And she said, oh, I've, I've, I've got this for Jenna. It's not Jenna's birthday or anything. She just brought her a little bag. And then I sat with her on the grass. She got all these little things out. And I was like, oh, Daisy, thanks so much. And then she said, and how's your hand? So the last time I saw her, I was on a paddleboard in the lake. And I cut my, my hand and it was bleeding. And when she, when she saw that, she was walking along with us. And she goes, this is what she does to me. She goes, <laughs> because I think there was water in my face. She thought I was crying. But she was like so sensitive. Mm. I, I hadn't seen her for a month. She'd met me once. And she's like, how's your hand? I was sitting there like, she wow. remembered that. But the thing that made it even more amazing is I was reading in Corinthians about um, desiring gifts that edify the church. Yeah? Mm. And so I was actually on my decking on this like whiteboard bench, um, writing a list of things I wanted to do for the week and who I could encourage. And then after this happened with this little girl, she went, bye, and off she went. 
And I thought, literally, as I was thinking about that, God was sending her to encourage me. And so the whole thing was just like, did that just happen, you know? But what it made me think about was just being like that child. Mm. Being able to express your love and... Because I realize as an adult, sometimes, obviously, you have these barriers that get in the way, all kinds of things. But anyway, that was... was Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Yeah, I just, you know, when Richard told me that, I just connected to that again. And just the whole idea, where does she come from? And, you know, at that age where she's so unspoiled with, you know, the superficial things that come and ruin just... Like Richard said, the barriers that we start putting up and the hurt that we feel and those things that start stopping us from being just being so vulnerable. Um, Sorry, I just forgot one yeah. thing. She even had a little band for my dog. She didn't forget my dog. Wow. But, you know, I just think it's that, all of that and what happened, you know, yesterday and everything got me thinking a lot about our culture as a church and just um, what gets in the way of that and us living, you know, I think just purely from our culture that comes from God through us to more superficial religion type of culture. So that's kind of what I'm going to talk about today. That was my intro. <laughs> but from, we're about halfway through, I don't want to, I, I don't want to drag on. You can tell me too when I am dragging on, like now. Um, but I, I also just want to pray before, and then we'll read the scripture. God, thank you, thank you so much, just for the opportunity that we get to be here, God. That um, God, it doesn't matter who's up here speaking uh, and how we sing and and whatever, God. But just to know that you're here, and as long as each of us, uh, whatever part of life we're in, God. Um, can just commit this time to you, that we can meditate on you, and just be aware of, of your being, God. Just come together to, to, to meditate and be aware of you being here with us. Just meditate on your character and just the depth of that that we'll never understand. But God, I just pray, and I really want to give this time to you, and I pray that um, you'll, you'll, be, you'll help me and my heart to be humble, and that you'll help all of us, God, be humble to just whatever you want us to hear today um, and uh, yeah God I pray this in your son's name we love you uh, amen. okay so um, you know I think the culture and the influence you allow God to have on your culture that's kind of what I want to touch on today so I don't have a title or anything but if it had to be one that would be it you know why are you even sitting here right now is it just because Church happens every Sunday, and you know if you don't come, somebody will ask you where were you, or whatever. I don't know whatever weird dynamic we have, but why are you here? Like, question that, I would say. Like, genuinely, and I question that for myself, too. Is your spirituality even a priority for you right now in your life? Maybe it's not, and that's not something to go and cry over, and you're not not worthy for any reason. or That's not what I'm getting at at all, but... I think they're good questions to ask ourselves, just so we can gauge where we are. Um, but, but is your spirituality a priority to you? You know, do you do you just live in in wanting to be spiritual, or 
Or do you really want to know what that means? What does that mean to be spiritual? Um, let's read. In Titus 2, verse uh, 11 to 14. I think, you know, this is sort of just an example of, I think, God, or, you know, of, of, yeah, maybe God's desire for our culture as a church. And there are so many, and I didn't know which one to pick, but I think this one tied really well into also being motivated, being motivated by grace. And God's character, you know, so I think building our culture through God, which is, I think, really important. But uh, it says, you know, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodly and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And if we go to Titus 3, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peace, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, too, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Saviour, appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His very mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become His, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to, tr to stress these things, so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone, but avoid foolish controversies and gen genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person. Anyway, from there we can stop. But, you know, I think we, yeah, we can challenge our culture. I think that that's okay to do because our goal isn't to please one another or to live necessarily in harmony, um, but to live in harmony with what God desires for us, right? To achieve, like, being in one with His will. That's, that's our greatest goal. And... Like the Bible says, we don't want to be divisive. I think there are a lot of ways to go about it. I think the Bible is very, very clear. And if, if that's your standard, then I don't think you can really go wrong in this area. But, you know, what division is there amongst us? <clears throat> what relationship is Satan trying to creep into to cause distance or division? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's someone literally in this room who you find super annoying. I mean, yeah, like it might happen. Maybe it's me. <laughs> maybe it's Ian. <laughs> you know, maybe somebody who wronged you. Maybe you feel like somebody here has wronged you. Maybe there's someone who just gives off bad vibes. You know, I think it could be even within your family. It might, there's like, I don't know, when my whole family is here, I think we count up to like eight or nine. A lot of attitudes, a lot of room for Satan to move. But maybe it's your spouse. 
you know, I think that those are areas where we, when we, when our culture flows from God, we get to, we get to not leave so much room for Satan to work and for things to become more religious and mundane, maybe, in our relationships with one another. What holds this church together? Is it just the fact that we want church or the religious idea, knowing it's a good thing, like I said earlier? Or do we want to recognize God's true desire for this community? God literally created this. God intentionally created the idea of community. God in himself, his whole essence is community. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's, that, that's community. This is, this is not just something that some human decided would be good for us. There's actually a reason that God wants us to be in a church together. Do we value that? You know, I think we've gone through so many changes, even our church over the last few years. I mean, our whole church as a, as a you know, group has gone through a lot of changes over the last few decades. But what, I think, yeah, what, what is keeping us together and like we've got to recognize that Satan will try and use the times of change to creep in and create division and, and mm. I think just a lack of connection for us to become more focused on our own agenda and our own sort of comfort, which I'm not saying is bad. Being comfortable is great, but it can be really easy to let go of what God wants for us and being in tune with His will for our own comfort. That's I think that is the way that Satan will try and destroy the church because... When you have a big group of people together, not everybody is necessarily going to agree on everything. And it'll be very easy for one person who doesn't necessarily agree to be like, well, I'm going to leave. I think God intended for each of us to be here because we all have influence. You know, I think me and Elliot have had so many conversations about this. And maybe every time we have this conversation, and I have this conversation with anyone, I always say this, which is just that, you know, I think it's so good when we disagree with one another. I think that's a really good thing because we get to highlight things that maybe just aren't that great in our culture. But when we allow that difference to be so great that it pulls somebody away or pulls us away, then we also strip everyone else of that influence. Whereas if we get to, I think, you know, be godly in our approach with these differences, we get to like absolutely maximize the influence that we have on each other as a group. You know, like Richard was saying, with that idea of just gifts and each of us being given something to give. You know, it may sound cliche, but I think we can't look around and genuinely say we love each other. Then I don't, I, yeah, I just don't see how we get to also build anything. How can we build something when that isn't our foundation? Patience, kindness, those, those genuine traits of real godly love. I, I think you can't love also without that being your culture. If it's not genuine, is it really love? I don't know, maybe. And I think culture feeds action. So I think now to sort of move on, I wanted to speak more practically about in my own life over the last few months in all of this chaos and disorganized thought here that I'm even presenting to you, <laughs> what practically has helped me, even a small thing, it's, it's a small thing, but it's also 
Yeah, how can we become in tune with God? That's that's a question I ask. How can I become in tune with God and, and His will? How can I do that? Rather than following my own agenda, <clears throat> how can I question my heart and also be more God-focused? That's kind of where I've been at with a lot of this stuff. Is, you know, when you've got to change something in the church, which tends to be our, like, the place that we bounce off of, where do you go? Like, that's so often that the place where we are like, yeah, this is this is what's good, this is what's good, this is our culture. But how do you like step beyond that and question your culture without anything? Well, obviously, you know, God and the Bible, and that's why you've been doing this stuff. In Philippians 3, verse 10 to 16, and I, I have quoted the scripture to many of you so many times. I also think I've used it in most of my sermons. But um, it says that, I just love this, I, I, I really I feel passionate about it. But Paul's, Paul's writing here in, in Philippians from verse 10 about his, his greatest goal. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on towards, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have attained. Oh, I literally could preach for days on just that one passage. Um, is God real to you? I mean, this, when you, any letter that Paul writes, I think to me it's always so clear that God is so real to him. He's so, he seems so connected to God and, and what he wants in his relationship with God. Like there's a real connection there, mm. you know, and I think I've thought so much about that. The fact that his greatest goal and everything that he did in life, his greatest goal was to know Christ. That's it. Mm. To know Christ and to know his participation in the resurrection. You know, and then he goes on and he has this incredible view of just having goals and wanting to achieve them, but being okay with not achieving them. And also then including God in that and understanding how God will also be involved in the situation. Yes, maybe you'll mess up, whatever. But God's also there. He's also got a part to play in guiding you somewhere. And, you know, there's a lot that you can trust in that. And I think it's such a healthy, it's, it's a mindset. If we can grasp that, it's a mindset that really sets you up for growth in your life. But like good growth. The kind of growth that is, you're surrendered to grace in this growth. It's not just like achievement growth, but it's genuine growth in grace. Um, you know, I think it that feeds conviction that respects God's holiness. That's the other thing. I think, you know, there's something really powerful in that for me, respecting God's holiness. When we really get to know God and you get to see His character, mm. your convictions start to not be based on what's good and bad, but it starts to it starts to have the foundation of, of being a respect for God's holiness. 
which is something really pure and powerful. Surrendering to God's holiness. You know, and I think if that, if our culture can stem from that idea, being God-focused and surrendering to His holiness, and our conviction can, can feed through that culture, and in our own lives, <clears throat> you know, we can choose to build our conviction on that, on really respecting God's holiness. I think that's a safe place to start. <laughs> I don't know. You know, sort of to end off. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I thought maybe that there are certain commitments that our hearts need to desire through, the, through our transformation. Mm. Through the, through the renewing of our mind and our soul. There are certain commitments that our hearts need to desire for, for I think, that to be an effective transformation and one that is founded on God. You know, I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying we should run after spiritual notions or ideas or superficial titles, spiritual titles, but for each of us to question our desire to transform. I think that, you know, this far in my life, I think that's something I've learned to value, and I think something that I feel like God desires of us is just to be willing to change, and having a good foundation to inform that change. Yeah, that, that's everything. <laughs> <laughs>